All right, hey. So uh, again, I wanna I wanna tell you guys um, thank you, um, thank you for having me, um, and thank you guys so much for for listening. Um, um, it, it's it's very um, it's it's pretty abnormal sometimes when you go to student ministries uh, and they're and people are just as locked in as you guys are. So thank you. You have a great group, man. Uh, you should be proud um, of this group. You guys are awesome. So thank you so much for having me. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, uh, meeting some of you and watching you guys just really kind of lock in. It's been really refreshing to, to see you guys care about about God's word because um, you know what, um, a lot of people don't, but you seem to really care about it, and I love to. I love that. So. All right, just a quick rehash, okay? Just a quick rehash um, of what we've been talking about. So what's been our theme this week? If you don't know, you can turn around and look behind me, and there is a nice graphic that I would assume, Mr. McDaniel, did you make that? Oh, the professional, this is a professional D-Now graphic. Okay. Well, he did it. He killed it. He nailed it. I love it. God with us, and as as Joe kind of uh, highlighted, that yes, yeah, so God has He created us, and when He created us, He always had in His His will and desire for us to be with Him. There was at no point in the creation um, that God, when God made us, did He go, "I'm just going to create and move away." It was always designed for us to be with God. Okay. Um, and so we also pointed out that, that he created us, and, and we kind of said that, man, he gave us all this awesome stuff. He blessed us. We saw in Genesis 1 this morning and, and, and last night that, man, he gave us dominion over things. He gave us all the fruit and, and food we could eat. He gave the man his wife as a gift. He created us in his very own image. And what did we do? We desired the gift more than the giver, and we sinned and we broke that. But we also said, and if you remember, that even in God's judgment, there is a hint of mercy and grace there. There's a, there's a grace and mercy that's extended to the, the, the man and his wife, okay? And that grace and mercy was a promise, okay? come in the form of a promise, and that promise is what? Do like those old. Jesus. There you go. Say it with me. Jesus. There we go. Y'all are awake. Okay, kind of. And so we realize that Jesus is the realization of that promise, right? That it is Jesus that God, that the Father was ultimately promising. And what we did, we find out about Jesus. We find out that Jesus came. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. And we see that Jesus, in fact, is God that dwelt among us. So, so ultimately, what are we saying? That God sent who? Himself. That's right. Who said that? Look at you. Give him an extra, give him an extra five minutes in the, in the, in the, in the bath. That was great. In the, uh, this. You get an extra five minutes of cold water plunge. Whatever that is. I, yeah, so take a bath in that. I don't know. <laughs> Get in it. Just get in the cooler. Um, yes, that's right. That's great. He sent himself. We realize that God sent himself in order to fix the problems that we caused. Okay? And tonight, we're going to look at the third person of the Trinity. And, and I hope that, my hope and, and, and prayer is that you've seen that throughout the week. 
because we've dropped, you know, spoiler alerts that aren't really spoilers about where we were going, okay? That, that, God, that God has always been this way and that there is a sense that God was with us in the beginning in the Father. He was with us in salvation through Jesus, and he's with us in the continuation of what's going on through the Spirit, okay? Through the Spirit. Our main text, although there are a lot of texts, there are a lot of texts tonight. I won't ask you to turn with me to all of them, but if you'd like to write them down, I will reference them for you so you can look at them at your, at your group time later. But our main text is going to be John 16, verse 7, okay? Verse 7. That's the one where we're going to kind of like, like hammer for just a second, okay? So Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. Okay, speaking to his disciples, and, uh, and we know because we have the whole story of, of Jesus, we know that Jesus is nearing the end of his life. Okay? He's nearing the end of his time on earth, um, and, and he's beginning to, um, to kind of wrap up his ministry with his disciples. And he tells his disciples something odd, something odd. He says to them, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Okay? Now, this is odd. This is a very odd statement. It's a very difficult statement, I think. I think there's a couple of, there's a couple of statements in the Bible that are just really hard statements, and this is one of them. What advantage would it be for the disciples if Jesus would to go away from them? To me, now, I, I'm thinking about Jesus here, okay, if I'm a disciple, and I'm thinking about the things that Jesus has done. I'm thinking about that Jesus is the same guy who healed blind people. Jesus is the same guy who they watched feed 5,000 people and 4,000 on another occasion. We're seeing that this is the same guy who turned Water into wine, great, great segue into that song we just sang. And, and, and Jesus just said, hey, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's better if I'm not here. It's better if I go away. There's something that's, that's better for you if, if I go. Now, that seems crazy to me. So this is the equivalent that I kind of come up with, okay? So I, uh, I was not a great student, so I use student analogies sometimes because it makes me feel better about the bad work that I did in school, okay? Do your homework, kids, okay? But there was times when I'm doing a homework assignment, and, my, and as long as the teacher is helping me do the assignment in class, I feel like a G, okay? I feel like I've, I'm nailing it. I'm like, oh, physics? Sure. And I'm basically just like listening really close and writing down everything that she says, but as soon as the teacher was to walk away, I become a babbling buffoon that has a really hard time tying his shoes, okay? Like, I become aloof to what's going on, and I'm like, oh, wait, come back. Don't leave me. I need you to tell me everything. And I can kind of imagine, obviously, that has some holes in it with this, with this um, pericope here, but obviously, I can imagine how that might be what the disciples are thinking a little bit. Like, Jesus, you, you kind of know everything. Like, you kind of know all the answers to all the questions. You've told all these great parables. You've told all these stories. And, and man, you, Jesus, you just know everything. Please don't go. And Jesus' response is, I got to go. 
But trust me, something better for you is coming. Okay? Something better for you is coming. Because as soon as Jesus leaves, very shortly after Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes. Okay? Now, we, we as Christians kind of take a, a, a weird approach to the Spirit. Okay? We either um, have churches and denominations and people that really love him. Okay? And they really, really love the things of the Spirit. And they, 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 go, kind of, uh, they go kind of crazy with the things of the Spirit. Or, or then we have people that just almost kind of just like, yeah, I think he's there. I, I, I think the Spirit, I, I mean, I've, I read about him. I, I kind of get it. That's kind of how we've approached the, 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 the third person of the Trinity often, isn't it? But what we're going to see here is that, that the Spirit is vastly beneficial to us, vastly beneficial to us. And it only furthers our God with us narrative because now God literally is with us in a such a way. I hope that, I think y'all talked about the temple today, right? Like now we're the temple. We're the temple. We house the presence of God. And that presence of God is the Holy Spirit. So J.D. Greer says, and I agree with him, that the Holy Spirit inside you is greater than Jesus beside you. I love that quote. I just think that's super elementary, and it makes me, it makes sense, okay? So what does the Spirit do, okay? What does the Spirit do? Now, and oftentimes, for me, I often thought that, well, the Spirit's only job is really just to illuminate Christ. That's all the Spirit does. And I thought, oh, well, that's just all the Spirit's kind of there for. He's just there going to point us to Jesus. Now, he absolutely does that. He absolutely does that. And we're going to highlight that in a minute. But there's more to the Spirit than just pointing to someone else's work. The Spirit has his own work. The Spirit has his own thing that he does, okay? I think this is highlighted well in Romans 8. So if you have a Bible and you want to go with me to Romans 8, you absolutely can and because that's where we'll be for just a little bit, okay? Romans 8 is awesome, okay? Romans 8 is an awesome text. So we're going to be um, in the first nine verses here, and I want to see that to let us know that the Spirit, it's, he's the one that sets us free from, law of, from the law of death and brings us into new life in Christ. Listen to this. Verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So, so we're seeing right there that it's the Spirit, it's the Spirit that frees us from the guilt of the law. It's the Spirit that illuminates us and brings us into new life in Christ, okay? It's the Spirit that, that takes our weakened flesh makes it strong again, okay? So let's keep reading. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to what? What is that word? The Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but what is it to set the mind on the Spirit? It's life. It's life. 
for to set the mind okay, and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is what? Hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. It can't do it. So if your mind is not changed and set on things of the Spirit, you cannot submit to God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We'll talk about that in a second. So what we're seeing right here is that it is the Spirit's job to free us from the law of death and bring us into the law of life. It's the Spirit that that enters into us, and, and, and the Bible said he makes his abode, which means his home, he makes his home within us, and brings us to life. I love that. I love that. That's the Spirit's work. It's the Spirit's work to bring us alive, okay? Um, the word abode means house, okay? It means house, okay? My humble abode, you know that? That's house, okay? So when, when, when those of us that have bought houses, have you ever went to a house and it's just, it's dead in there, right? Like there's no furniture, the walls are drab, so we were looking for houses when we moved to Huntsville, and we went to this one house, and, like, I'm just like, wow, if we buy this one, there's ghosts in here. 100% there's ghosts in here. There's not even lights in the living room. They'll have to, like, they're putting lamps up to, like, show us. I'm like, yeah, you know, let's just go. I'm not even going to entertain this house. But the whole time in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, how can I make this house come alive? If this is the house that the Lord blesses us with, how can I make this house come alive? Make it come, that's right. I can make it come alive by living in it, by fixing it up, by bringing my other alive people in it, my family, (laughs) by bringing them in there. It opens up the house. Like, I have, I have, I have three kids. They're all, they're all young and they're all a little wild, okay, at, at, at points. And I always get this man, I bet your house is lively. I bet your house is lively. I get that all the time. How many of you have kids? That's what you've heard. Man, you've got plenty of kids, I know. How old are you, 14? (laughs) So, So when we bring in, so when the Spirit comes in, He takes something, He takes this dead shell and makes it alive. What a beautiful thought. And now he's fully dwelling with us by bringing us new life. He's bringing us from the the condemnation of the law to new life in Jesus. The Spirit guides us to put sin to death. Look at verse 13. He says, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Oh, yep, that's right. We are debtors to the flesh and not to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... Not by what? Your own power and volition. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. For all who live by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, how do we put sin to death? The Spirit. When the Spirit is in us, He reminds us of things, and we put sin to death because we're alive. We get it. 
we get the, the scope of things. So with the Spirit's aid and the Spirit pointing to us what is good, we put things to death. We put things to death. Sidebar here, if, if, if you're having a real hard trouble putting sin to death, you should ask yourselves, does the Spirit reside in me? Does the Spirit reside in me? The Spirit also, just what I just read, reminds us that we are God's children. That we are God's children. I want to stay here for just a minute. In verse 15 it says, For all who are led by the Spirit are of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of, of adoptions as son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So, sometimes do we feel and struggle with like wondering if we belong? Anybody ever felt that? A little bit like you just, where's, where do I fit? Does anyone... Does anyone seem to, like, care about me? Man, I, I've thought that. I've thought that a lot in my life. Like, man, who, who, is, who cares about me? Who loves me? And it's at this moment that, that when I read this, it, when I was studying, I was like, oh, man, what a, I'm going to keep that. That the Spirit's reminded me that I belong to God. That I belong to God. So when I feel weak and I feel like I am afraid that, that no one really sees me, that I don't fit in, I can be reminded that I belong to God, that I am not just God's buddy, but I'm his child. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit's work. That's the Spirit's work. Let's go now to John 16, okay? If you want to flip there, you can. John 16, okay? We're going to see a couple of more things that the Spirit does, and then I want to talk about something great, okay? So we see, we've seen that the Spirit uh, sets us free from the law of death and brings us new life in Christ. We see that the Spirit guides to put guides us to put our sin to death. We see that the Spirit is the one who reminds us that we belong to someone, to someone great, that we belong to God, okay? The Spirit also convicts of sin. He convicts sin. He convicts the world of sin, okay? 16.8, John 16, verse 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. When you, when you get saved, when, when, the, when you place faith in Christ, okay, that's the Spirit. That's the Spirit drawing conviction of your sin. That's the Spirit telling you, you are messed up. You can't come to me. You can't come to the Father on your own merit. You can't come to the Father on your own good works. And he's convicting you of your sin. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, there's going to be more that comes because they're going to be convicted. They're going to be convicted from sin and they're going to be drawn to me. 
So the Spirit convicts us of sin. John 16, 13, something else the Spirit does. He guides us in truth, okay? Now, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. So this is a cool thing. This is where we get into what the Spirit illuminates, okay? So the Spirit does have his own work, but he is going to illuminate some really awesome things. He's going to illuminate Jesus. He's going to shine a light onto Jesus, okay? He says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, okay? So, so in some ways, in some ways, the Spirit is kind of like a ring announcer, okay? Anybody ever watch UFC or boxing or, okay? You shouldn't watch that, you violent, you violent fiends, okay? No, but, but in the same way, you, you've seen it when he, so I'm a pro wrestling fan, okay? Me and, me and Johnny, that's right. And Brad, you're into it now, that's right. Matter of fact, me and Johnny may square off later in the squared circle, okay? I actually, wait a minute, I just pulled my back. I'm out, so I'm out. <laughs> hey, we'll reschedule, punk, you know? All right, so, but when, when we watch pro wrestling, there's a ring announcer, and he gets in there, and he makes a big deal about the guy coming down the aisle, okay? You know, coming down the aisle, it's a little uh, Howard, Howard Finkel there. Coming down the aisle is the Undertaker. And you see the Undertaker, and he's, you know, he's big and scary and rolls his eyes back and beats people up. And he makes this big to-do about the Undertaker. And he just gets in the ring and he just says, he's so big, he's so giant, he's awesome, he's the Undertaker, and he's coming, he's going to win the title. And in some ways, that's what the Spirit's doing for us. He's screaming out the name of Jesus and reminding us of what Jesus has done for us. So when we feel, man, I am getting into a place where, where sin is overtaking me, it's hurting me, I need, I need something, the Spirit goes, remember Jesus. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember what he's done. Jab Packer calls it almost like a spotlight ministry. The part of the Spirit's ministry is to spotlight the goodness of God, and he does that through Jesus. He illuminates to us the Word. So not only does he illuminate Christ, he illuminates the Scriptures. I love Luke 12, 12. Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and he and he's telling them in the same way he's about to go. And he's saying, but, but listen, I'm going to send the Spirit. And he's going to tell you what you need to write. He's going to tell you what you need to say. He's going to illuminate my words to you. We have something that God illuminates to us. And we have access to it every single day. I mean, we, we are so blessed to even have it on our phones. Like, we can, my phone's over there, but we can pull out our phones and we have access. You, know, you don't need to, but you get it. We have access to God's Word. It's wonderful. And the Spirit is going to illuminate those things. So when we do feel 
sorrowful for our sin and we're broken for things and we or maybe we're just in a we're just we just don't get it we're in a fog we're in a, a depressive state or or whatever and we need some comfort the spirit's going to illuminate Jesus and he's going to illuminate Jesus's scriptures he's going to illuminate these things for us and bring them to our minds that's awesome and it definitely it definitely rings true when Jesus says, it's better that I go because the one coming is going to do some awesome things for you. It's going to remind you of some really awesome stuff, namely me and my words. One more thing, and then I want to give some application points. And this is, this is my, favorite, my favorite thing the Spirit does. Because it brings me hope. The Spirit is the one that seals our salvation. The Spirit is the one that seals our salvation. You see, if it was up to us to seal our own salvation, we would fail instantly. We would fail instantly. Because, to be honest, we probably sin coming in here and we'll probably sin going out. And we fail instantly in trying to seal our own salvation. But Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Paul has laid out this awesome thing that we were predestined to faith. We've been, we've been chosen by God. Uh, we have redemption through his blood. We have our trespasses forgiven that he's lavished these good gifts upon us, which is his, his love. And then he says, and, and I just love this. This is almost like the nice tight bow on the top. He says, I've given all these things, and let me tell you how I know you can keep it because I'm going to keep it for you in the form of the Spirit. The Spirit's keeping it for you. Like you don't even have to do anything to keep it. I'm doing it for you. I, I'm putting it, I'm, I'm putting your inheritance in, in a locked tight safe that no one can get. It's yours. That's awesome. Because if it was up to me, I would fail. I would fail. I would fall flat on my face every day. But it's not up to me. The Spirit is sealing it. So then how do we live our lives? How do we live our lives? We live our lives by depending upon the Spirit, by being dependent upon the Spirit. You see, in the first part of Acts, Jesus gives this commission, okay, now, Jesus has just, has just ascended into heaven. And he gives this commission and he says, I need you to wait before you go out. Why is that? I mean, you would think at that very moment that as soon as Jesus went out, he's like, all right, all right, go team, go. Go tell, now. But he says, wait, wait a minute. Why? I don't want you writing any books. 
I don't want you to go make converts. I don't want you to witness. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to go, and I want you to wait. And here's why. Because without the Holy Spirit, none of it would have been possible. None of it would have been possible. Without God being with us in the form of the Spirit, it would not have been possible to do what the disciples wanted to do. Do we live like that today? Do we try to do things on our own merit? Do we try to do things to say, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do all the good things by myself. We often always fail. I think of, when I think about this, I think like about Samson. I think of Samson. So if you know thing about Samson, he's in the book of Judges, okay? And he has this long hair, okay? He has this long hair. And that is his mark of the presence of God on him, okay? But Samson seems to think that he can do this whole life thing without God. So he kind of disobeys God. He just kind of does what all he wants to do. And then he gets his hair shaved off, and it says that he did not know the Lord had left him. So... When, when, we, when we neglect the Spirit, we're a lot like Samson. We're a lot like Samson. We just shun the Lord. We, and what we find out is that Samson's strength had nothing to do with the fact that he worked out, he ate, that he ate egg whites and protein shakes, that he ran, he ran miles. It had nothing to do with that. It all had to do with the fact that the Lord's seal was on him. When we neglect the Spirit, our life gets really hard. Our life gets really hard. Do you depend on the Spirit? Do you think, man, how can, how can the Spirit guide me today? How can the Spirit guide me today? How can I press into Him? And I think the next thing is that we can see is that the Spirit makes God and His Word personal to us. It makes it personal. When the Spirit begins to illuminate Christ and begins to illuminate His Word, the Bible becomes more than just a bunch of facts. Like, like this book becomes more than just a bunch of histories. It becomes personal. It becomes personal to say, like, hey, Jesus came for me. Not that just Jesus came. Not that just Jesus lived. Not that just Jesus died, but he did it for me. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit. And the Spirit makes those things personal. So then when we go, man... What a great God we serve. So when we sing, our God is greater, the Spirit illuminates those things in our mind. You know why He's greater? He's greater because He loves me. And He's great for me. And He did things for me that I couldn't do for myself. That's the Spirit. So when we read Ephesians and we see that God chose me, He predestined me, He, he, he brings me in, He forgave my sins, He did it, for me, it's personal. It's different than just, great, I'm glad he did it. 
did it for me. And listen, because, because he did it for you, because he did it for you, because Christ did it for you, because Christ gives us the spirit, and because God is with us from the beginning, he'll be with us in the end. He'll be with us in the end. So that whether we live on this earth is great. But whether we die is gain. And so when we have that spirit, we can be like the saints in Revelation, which I know y'all are, y'all are studying, that sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You get to do that. But you only get to do that if the spirit has made his abode in you and turned your dead house into a lively one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your spirit. God, thank you for your son. And God, thank you for yourself. God, thank you that you created us to be with you. You love us. And you've sealed us with your spirit through the finished work of Jesus. God, help us as we leave here this weekend. We've had a great one. But God, help us to remember what we've learned. That you're with us. And you always have been. And you always will be. So, Father, I pray that if someone in this room doesn't know you, God, that they will come to know you. God, that if they have never invited or given themselves to you, whatever language we want to spin it, God, convict their hearts. Convict their hearts. And, God, if there's those of us in here that do know you, illuminate Jesus and illuminate his word and help us to remember that it is a personal thing that Jesus did it for us and give us that wonderful thought to know that we'll be with you in glory. We love you and God, we thank you. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can stand.